Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. We are going to do that today with my special guest, Dr. Kathleen Kendall Tackett. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Marie. I'm happy to be here. Well, for those of you who don't know her, I will tell you about Dr. Kathleen Kendall Tackett. She has been a guest before on this show, and she's always a welcome guest here. But uh, let me just say that she is a health psychologist and an international board-certified lactation consultant. She's the owner and the editor-in-chief of Preclaris Press, which is a small press publishing women's health issues. Dr. Kendall Tackett is editor-in-chief of two peer-reviewed journals, Clinical Lactation and Psychological Trauma. She is fellow of the American Psychological Association in Health and Trauma Psychology, past president of the APA Division of Trauma Psychology, and member of the APA's Publication and Communication Board. Dr. Kendall Tackett specializes in women's health research, including breastfeeding, depression, trauma, and health psychology, and she has won many awards for her work, including the 2017 President's Award for Outstanding Service to the Field of Trauma Psychology from the American Psychological Association's Division of Trauma Psychology. Dr. Kendall Tackett has authored, get this, more than 460 articles or chapters, and she is the author or the editor of 38 books. Her most recent books include Depression in New Mothers, 3rd edition, and that is 2007 Rutledge, UK, Women's Mental Health Across the Lifespan, that's 2007, same thing with... 2017. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, With Lisa Ruglash and The Phantom of the Opera, A Social History of the World's Most Popular Musical, 2018. That's Preclaris Press. Uh, I'm sure... Dr. Kendall Tackett, well, welcome to the show. I just can't say enough about you. The fact that clearly you have very well established yourself as an expert in breastfeeding and psychology But uh, I think that you're more than just a great researcher, although certainly you are. Your research studies have been, I've been following you for more years than I want to admit, but uh, you always seem to have a really good grip of just where the rubber meets the road, and that's what I want to talk to you today about as related to the effect of feeding method on sleep duration, maternal well-being, and postpartum depression. Now, for those of you in our audience, you've just heard me introduce Dr. Kendall Tackett, and you know me as being a host on this radio show, but you also know that I'm a nurse. What you might not know is that I have worked years of night shift, and I'm talking full term, uh, not full term, (laughs) sorry, full time uh, nights. And so I have a lot of thoughts about this. 
Uh, I have had for years, but I want to give Dr. Kendall Tackett a chance to talk to you about the research that she's done, as well as other research that she has uh, written about and read. So let's start with, first of all, I think that mothers get rather poor advice about sleep and breastfeeding, but um, what is the current advice that mothers are getting about sleep, especially if they are at risk for postpartum depression? How does that work? Well, <clears throat> there's been actually quite a bit written about this lately in the uh, perinatal depression world. And basically, the bottom line is this, that mothers need to get anywhere between six to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep per night. You know, so the baby, of course, is in the way of that. And so the advice that mothers are getting is don't breastfeed at night. Right. I mean, wrong, yeah. but right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. the advice. And it's like uh, one book actually is a kind of a popular book that, you know, is a general audience and it's written for new mothers. It says 8.4 hours, you know, of uninterrupted sleep. And then they kind of said, well, if you're breastfeeding, you should pump your breast before you go to sleep. And I thought this is somebody who obviously doesn't know anything about breastfeeding. Obviously. 8.4 hours. That mom's going to be in trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that is a setup for at least engorgement, if yeah. not uh, status, et cetera, et cetera. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And so uh, what do you think is more realistic there? Well, it kind of depends on, you know, what what we're talking about. If we're talking about a mom who's not necessarily at risk, uh, you know, I would say continue to breastfeed at night. Uh, you know, when you talk to a mom who's really, really fatigued, I mean, one of the things I usually want to find out is, you know, what's her setup in terms of how she's feeding the baby at night? You know, and oftentimes you find that these breastfeeding moms who are really fatigued, they're the ones that are getting up and going and sitting someplace, you know, and that's a highly dangerous thing to do. I would not recommend doing that because, you know, it increases the rates of, of you know, suffocation, accidental suffocation by in one study 67 times. Whoa, you know, whoa. so it's just not a, it, you know, it's advice, unfortunately, sometimes mothers get, like in the hospital, but it's not great advice. So that'd be the first question. I'd find out kind of, you know, where is the baby and where are you and what are you doing? You know, sometimes even having the baby in, like, say, a crib in the room, you still have to get up out of bed and go get that baby. You know, so that would be kind of the first thing I'd say is, can you have the baby a little bit more near to you? You know, um, and the other, you know, I just recently actually talked to the the grandmother of a of a baby. You know, she was concerned, very concerned about her daughter, uh, and the daughter was very strenuously resisting any advice from the postpartum depression folks because she was really committed to breastfeeding and she didn't want to give it up. And you know, so I reassured her mother. I said, "Yeah, absolutely, I want to you know work this." But it turned out that the baby was a late preterm.er you know, uh -huh. so the baby's doing that, you know, every, you know how that goes. Every, every 45 minutes, you know, suck, 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 go to sleep, suck, 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 go to sleep. Yeah, um, so the mom was really exhausted. Very and difficult. I said, well, you know, one of the things I kind of suggested in that case was kind of a breastfeeding hack. You know, it's kind of like, how can you make this so it works a little better? And, you know, we talked about breast massage and, you know, releasing some of that fat in the milk, you know, and using some compressions and get a little more of that fatty milk in because the, the, the baby was obviously fatiguing before he could finish a whole meal. Yeah. You know, so those are the so that's that's kind of the one group of mothers, but the other group of mothers, you know, it's like if you've got the mom who's kind of hanging on by a thread, and I think we've all talked to those mothers. Probably many of us have been those mothers. You know, we got to kind of work at a more a little more of an emergency strategy, and for that group of mothers, I would say if she could go a four hour stretch, you know, of uninterrupted sleep, I think it's going to make all the difference. That's really what the literature suggests. Mm -hmm. So it's not six to eight; it's four. You know, and again, we got to view this as an emergency strategy. So there's going to have to be somebody there who's going to be responsive to that baby. 
before the mom wakes up. Yeah, you know, Kat, so, I, I'm totally oh, there. I think that's much more realistic. I'm reassured that the literature is saying that, as I understand it from you, fairly consistently. So, excuse me, very what? That, that you're saying the research shows more than once that that four-hour block is what you're aiming for, yes? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think that that is actually perfectly doable for a breastfeeding mom. I do, too. I do, too. I absolutely do, too. So I want to back up a minute, though. Okay. We, we all agree, or at least you and I agree, that the advice about the eight hours is just ridiculous. Yeah. There are some, as you say, breastfeeding hacks that we can help with those babies that uh, kind of have some kind of a special need. Four hours is poor, probably more realistic. But I want to know, is there actually any science that shows that breastfeeding your baby is a setup for postpartum depression? Because a lot of people think that. Oh, I know a lot of people think that. And no, actually, the literature suggests absolutely the opposite, that exclusive breastfeeding is actually quite protective of maternal mental health. But the thing is, you know, when people study this, and this is where the confusion is, and, you know, part of it is you've got to kind of look at the methodology of the study. You know, what did they call, quote, breastfeeding? You know, we find that there's a big difference between partial and exclusive breastfeeding, that the, well, the benefits of breastfeeding or the benefits of exclusive breastfeeding far outweigh the um, the benefits of partial breastfeeding. Now, partial breastfeeding, you never want to discourage a mom. But in terms of the protective mental health effects, we do really see a surprising difference. That's actually something in our research that we found that I have to admit really surprised me. And now we're seeing it in several other people's studies. It's the mm-hmm. same exact pattern. You know, so that's the first group we've got to look at is, you know, are we talking about exclusive breastfeeding? Or are we talking about partial breastfeeding? Are we talking about no breastfeeding? You know, and so a lot of times partial and exclusive get lumped together and that that can be confusing. The other thing that's important to know is that breastfeeding problems very much can actually cause depression. And so that's something that's also important to kind of realize. And so it's like if we if we encounter a study that has you know, women who are having, you know, pain or they're having low milk supply, that could definitely cause depression because, you know, it ramps up that underlying stress system, particularly the inflammatory response. And that actually specifically physiologically can lead to depression. You know, so Kathy, are we, an exclusive, oh, go ahead, Marie. are we saying that this is a chicken and egg phenomenon? Are we saying that the reason that we see mothers with depression might be that they're having breastfeeding mm-hmm. problems? rather than it's breastfeeding that causes depression. Yes, I think that's that's that would be a, an accurate summary of that because, yes, the breastfeeding problems cause it. And it's all the more reason why breastfeeding support is just critical. Right. You know, so many mothers actually will say that they think things like pain in the first month is normal. Oh. And it's yeah. kind of like, you know, I remember actually pushing back with one of my authors about that because she wanted to put that in one of the books. And I was just like, no. You know, and she said, well, I experienced it. And I said, no, I understand that. And I'm sorry you experienced it. Well, all my friends did. And I say, it's common. It's not normal. Different, different thing. Oh, I love that. Yes. So often when we see things and they are common, we think normal and common is not equal to normal. Uh, You and I have learned that so many times, I'm sure. And so one of the things I try to tell mothers or grandmothers or whoever is, remember, Breastfeeding is actually normal. Breastfeeding is physiologic, whereas yeah. formula is, formula feeding is actually not normal, not physiologic. 
So with my kind of simple brain, how I feel is it seems like breastfeeding should therefore promote the normal mental status. And you're kind of saying, well, yeah, it does. And I want to make the part about the exclusive breastfeeding because I'm thinking about the Doan study, uh, yep. 2007. All right, you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, as I remember, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were more than 100 mothers that were in that uh, study, uh, mothers and fathers, and I believe that they were looking at about three months postpartum. And uh, let me not uh, hog the microphone here. You tell us what, what was what stood out in your mind about exclusivity in that study? Well, one of the one of the things that stood out is the exclusively breastfeeding mothers actually got more sleep. You know, and it was a it was a pretty big number. It was about twenty five minutes. Now that doesn't sound like very much, but it actually really um, adds up. You know, in terms of the mother's well being. And then after that, the Dorheim study came along with a much bigger sample. It was about 2,800 2, mothers, and they found that one of the things that was a risk factor for both impaired sleep and depression was not exclusively breastfeeding. And that was published in a sleep medicine journal. That was not published in a breastfeeding journal. And then our study came along in 2011 with 6,410 moms, and we found a very clear and very striking difference. And the thing that was also interesting about that is not just the depression, but all the other measures of well-being followed the same pattern. Wow. That's just mind-boggling. Yeah. So help me with this here, because people are going to say, well, how could you possibly get more sleep if you're breastfeeding? Because... You can always give the baby to the father, the the whoever caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how if if I'm like just a regular mom, I'm going to be asking you that. How come? How, how can you explain that? Well, I mean, I think part of it is you know we look at two important sleep parameters. You know, the number of hours that the mother reports that she sleeps. Okay, and that's higher with exclusive breastfeeding. It's it's really weird. It's paradoxical because the baby's waking up more. You know, you're kind of like, how is that? How is that possible? The other thing is minutes to get to sleep. Now, that's a really kind of key clue about depression. And we've actually seen this in about three studies now that 25 minutes or more seems to be a a risk factor. It's a flag for depression. Okay, but if it takes 20 minutes or less, that's good. And exclusive breastfeeding does that. And I think part of the reason why the mothers overall get more sleep, even though in some ways it's more interrupted, is because they can go back to sleep quicker. You know, they're not waking up and going back to sleep. And, you know, I, I would I would have been skeptical about that, our finding, if we hadn't found all the other measures of well-being lining up in literally exactly the same pattern. There wasn't a single one of them that didn't line up with that pattern. That is so interesting. Hey, everybody, don't go away because I, when Dr. Kendall Tackett and I come back, we are going to follow up this conversation, and I'm going to ask her to go a little bit more deeply into that. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I have with me today Dr. Kathleen Kendall-Tackett, and she's talking about the effective feeding method on sleep duration, maternal well-being, and postpartum depression. So in the first segment, we were talking about mothers uh, being told that, in fact, uh, they needed to get these 8.4 hours of sleep, which you and I both agree is, first of all, not realistic, and secondly, actually disadvantageous. Uh, and I just want to chime in here. There's two things that I have noticed. Having worked on a postpartum floor, it feels to me like it's always the mother who wakes up first. Not the I shouldn't say always, but but most times it's the mother who wakes up first. And number one, do you agree with that? And number two, do you have any explanations for things like uh, what they're doing or maybe their location of their sleep or any other kinds of things that you want to explain that with? Okay. Um, Yes, I do actually agree with you. I I think especially for a a breastfeeding mom, she's hormonally wired to respond to that baby. Yeah. And and nobody else really is in the same way. 
you know, that a, a breastfeeding mom, especially exclusive breastfeeding mom, sleeps with her baby differently, you know, and you see that in Helen Ball's research, you know, that, you know, they tend to kind of almost as a universal position, form yeah. a little nest around the baby, you know, yep. to keep the baby yep. safe. Yeah. You know, but also, too, I mean, they're just they're just wired to respond to it. And so sometimes, you know, people are very casual about that advice about get somebody else to feed the baby. And it's kind of like, who who is going to do that? Because it's like the mom's probably going to wake up anyway. You know, so, again, I said, I'm not sure that that's particularly great advice. And what's interesting, too, is I think the mothers actually sleep baby better when they have you know anxiety. Sometimes moms, you know, they get very anxious. And so that may not always be the best thing. But again, the, the exclusive breastfeeding does actually kind of help with that. It tends to lower anxiety symptoms. You know, this is assuming it's going well. Kathy, you talked about the hormonal influences. Can you say a little bit more? I, I loved what you said that the mother is hormonally wired. Talk to us a little bit about uh, hormones. Well, I, you know, the main one that, you know, that I work with a lot, of course, is, is like oxytocin. And what I, you know, particularly I'm interested in with oxytocin is because it's it's basically the counter to the stress response. You know, when we look at depression, the underlying mechanism is is the three-part stress response, and, and including, you know, the activation of what we call the inflammatory response system. And there's actually been hundreds of studies that have demonstrated that, you know, high inflammation, high of, the, high of those inflammatory markers, high cortisol, high sympathetic nervous uh, system activation, all are the sort of physiology that underlies depression. And, you know, obviously, you know, prolactin is very involved in breastfeeding, but oxygen is important in terms of health because it's the thing that counters that three-part inflammation response. You know, so it's really kind of a, amazing kind of how it does that. And so that is actually the, the, the hormone that actually helps the mother sort of bond and attach to her baby. And so, again, I said there seems to be some kind of wiring that takes place where the mother becomes very attuned. You know, so again, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, under the right circumstances, um, it is actually safe for a mother to sleep very near her baby because she's very attuned to, you know, when the baby's in any kind of difficulty. You know, also too, you know, you know that if a baby is sleeping next to mom, they tend to be on their back. They don't tend to be on their stomach, you know, so that's actually another reason why it's protective. But again, that sort of hormone of sort of bonding and attachment is the, the one that I think really wires the mother. And it's also the thing that specifically counters that three-part stress response that leads to depression. Can we go back a minute? I I don't know where I've been all these years, but I have never been taught that. The increase in, in the inflammatory response, and I would agree because that's sometimes when people's psoriasis flare flares up and all that sort of thing. So if you could please recap those three things that you say are related to depression. Well, um, the, you know, if you think about it, you know, the, the, the general sort of framework is actually it's the stress response. Okay. But we can break the stress response down into kind of three major components, you know, and the first is, you know, what's called the catecholamine response. It's the fight or flight response. It's the one a lot of people think of when they think of the stress response, you uh-huh. know, that our bodies are sort of tuned to get us out of danger, you know, or, or to help us fight our way through. And so the stress response is the first part of that. And that, you know, we, we, we've studied that since the 1950s. Um, then there's another part that we kind of like really discovered in the late 90s, early 2000s called the HPA axis. And that's actually where you get the stress hormone cortisol. And so we know that the sort of footprint of major depression is high cortisol levels. Okay, and Cortisol is kind of a natural anti-inflammatory, you know, so normally it would keep this whole system sort of in check. But what happens is you can flood the system and it breaks 
So the final piece of this is, um, this is from the field of psychoneuroimmunology, is they noted that, and they've actually demonstrated this, as I said, in hundreds of studies. Their whole journal is dedicated to this. But that inflammation is the thing that really is the underlying physiology of depression. And that's the third part of the response. You know, and you might kind of wonder, well, what does inflammation have to do with the stress response? Well, remember, the stress response as a whole is designed to keep us out of danger. Right. You know, and so if your body, if your brain has alerted this stress response that there is potential danger, you know, the important part of the inflammatory response system is fighting infection and healing wounds. So it's kind of like I think about them as the soldiers, you know, right. that you're alerting your troops in the event that you could be injured. You know, but the problem is, and this is the underlying thing that we see with depression, and actually chronic stress, you see the same kind of reaction, is when chronic, when inflammation becomes chronic, and when it is um, something that actually kind of is the underlying sort of factor. And so you can actually then look at all the risk factors of depression, and you find that every single one of them actually increases inflammation. Wow. You know, and so that's, you know, I said, you, you know, I, I consider, you know, we used to look at inflammation as one of the risk factors. Now, actually, really, the framework is kind of that it's the risk factor. It's the thing that underlies all the other ones. You know, and what's interesting is like when you look at the treatments that work for depression, every single one of them in a different way is anti-inflammatory. You know, even uh, antidepressant medications, you know, especially the SSRI class, they're anti-inflammatory. We look at things like massage, you know, massage is anti-inflammatory. Um, yoga is anti-inflammatory. Omega-3 fatty acids, especially EPA, anti-inflammatory. Every single, you can, every single thing that you can look at actually in some way works on an inflammatory response. You know, and, and since they've kind of recognized that, you know, like antidepressants, you know, there's probably 30% of people that don't respond to antidepressants. But they found that if they add an omega-3 fatty acid to the antidepressant, yeah. that what they find is that, um, people actually are, um, you know, that makes the antidepressants more effective. Yeah. You know, they've even done things like adding Celexa to antidepressants. Same thing. Yeah. It makes them more effective. You know, yeah. so since we've kind of understood that link, see, and for me, that's the key to understanding why breastfeeding helps. Because Maureen Grewer at the University of South Florida, she's done a whole series of research on, she's a nurse researcher as well. And yeah. she's actually found that breastfeeding specifically downregulates that stress response. So that's why it helps. That's why it helps. Love that. Totally love that. And so exclusive breastfeeding seems to be a different animal than partial. And again, like I said, I would never want to discourage a mom who, you know, mom's got to do whatever they can do. But in terms of the protective effect, there does seem to be sort of a threshold that exclusive is different. Yeah, and I think that we've said that a lot on this show and with many different guests, and and myself included, any amount of breastfeeding is better than no amount of breastfeeding. But Yes, I would absolutely agree with you. Yeah, but but exclusive breastfeeding is, as you just very nicely put it, it's kind of a different animal, you know, it it kind of just puts you in a different category. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but did you do a follow-up study on something as related to sleep location? And if so, can you enlighten us about that? 
Yeah, that was a question. You know, like when I was going out and, and, you know, doing presentations on this, I had a lot of people ask me, well, does, you know, where the baby's sleeping make a difference? And so, you know, we had, I said, 6,410 moms. I mean, we really had a big enough sample that we could look. And that was actually what the study was initially on, was like infant sleep location. You know, and so that's actually, you know, a lot of our, our early work is that, you know, that we did was on that uh, on that particular issue. So we had a lot of detailed questions about that. And so what we found is that, the mothers who got the most sleep were the ones who were exclusively breastfeeding and bed sharing, you know, and then if they were exclusively breastfeeding and the baby was in another place, they still got a lot of sleep, but not as much. But the mothers who got the least amount of sleep, now this was actually what was really interesting. This really surprised me. The mothers who got the least amount of sleep and had the most depression, had the most anxiety, had all these other issues were the mothers who were not exclusively breastfeeding, but bed sharing. So that would be a group of moms that I would say, you know, it might be better if you didn't bed share. Have the baby close, but don't have the, you know, don't bed share. Boy, that's and that really, was actually really striking. Yeah, I did not catch that at all. Was that in your research? Boy, I did not catch that. Um, yeah, and it seems a little bit counterintuitive, but hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm Moravian Kuzo. I'm here today with Dr. Kathleen Kendall Tackett, researcher extraordinaire and a woman of many talents and abilities. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Kathleen Kendall Tackett. So, Dr. Kendall Tackett, I was reading one of your studies, and you talked in it about anhedonia and depression. I'm going to guess that most folks who are listening don't know what anhedonia is, much less do they know how it relates to depression, or even just in a simple way, how how do you, like, if it's your... Your sister, your daughter, your whatever, how do you note that and is it important as related to helping people to get help for depression? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked about that. that that's actually a super important symptom of depression uh, and it's something you, you probably have seen. It's like the, it means the inability to experience pleasure. So nothing's fun, nothing's enjoyable, nothing's ever going to be the same again. Um, if you are interested in kind of how to tell, um, I would say Google uh, a questionnaire called the Patient Health Questionnaire 2, uh, and it's actually free online. It's a, it's a two-item depression screening scale, and so it looks at two things, depressed mood and anhedonia. And so that actually is a, it's a very good screen. It's available for free online. So that would be a good place to, to go. But, you know, if you hear somebody saying, oh, I don't want to do that, oh, it's not fun, I don't, you know, stuff you know that you normally used to like, that's, right. a, that's, that's a flag. Yeah. And, and I think that's so important. And it kind of makes me nuts. Sometimes I feel like I have gone hoarse when I am teaching my comprehensive lactation course. Uh, when I do the live course, somebody always messes up postpartum depression with uh, baby blues. And I say, whoa, wait a minute. First of yeah. all, baby blues only last for like the first five or six or maybe seven days and it seems to me that during that time, there are kind of ups and downs and tears and laughter and all of that. Whereas it seems to me like when it's depression, it's a lot deeper and there's a lot of that, no, I don't want to do this. I don't care. It's never going to be the same. Am I right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the key sort of differentiator is that, you know, depression lasts for, you know, the symptoms last for at least two weeks. Okay. You know, there's there's a lot of debate in the postpartum depression literature, but I think in some ways people are sort of recognizing uh, or taking the view that the blues are actually just a early, um, they're just, um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing my track here, that they are actually kind of an early manifestation of depression. You know, I think sometimes people sort of negate those. You yeah. know, it's, it's like, it's one thing if you have just a day, you know, and you're just weepy. 
But if you're getting that two, three, four days in a row, I mean, what you probably need to do is give that mom some extra support. Because the interesting thing about the baby blues is everybody assumes they're inevitable because they happen so often in our country and they happen so much in other, you know, industrialized countries. They don't uh, automatically happen in other countries, you know, countries where women are given a lot more support postpartum. There's whole rituals and stuff around the postpartum period. Interesting. You know, and so that's kind of the interesting thing. So for me, you know, it's like important that we pay attention to those symptoms. We don't, you know, jump in and say, oh, my God, I think you're depressed. Right. But <laughs> right. flag it. That mom may, maybe needs some extra thing. You know, maybe she needs somebody to, you know, hold the baby while she goes and takes a nice shower, yes. you know, or, or, or put some fresh sheets on her bed. She needs something. She needs some kind of caregiving and it's something that we really don't do for our moms in this culture. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to pick up on what you said earlier today, which is, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Yeah. You're, you're kind of on that same theme. Can we talk a little bit about how do we integrate safe sleep into our advice to, to mothers? We've talked about some uh, hours. You've talked a little bit about bed sharing versus not sh- bed sharing. Anything else you want to add there? Well, I mean, you know, there are definitely some risk factors for not bed sharing. You know, and I think one of them, honestly, you know, especially given, you know, what we saw in terms of the mental health effects for the mother, you know, I, I would be a little more cautious about recommending it with a non-exclusively breastfeeding mother. Um, it's not to say it can't happen, you know, and if the mom is enjoying it and it's easier for her, then okay. Uh, you know, but, you know, we do seem to see that there does seem to be a sort of an extra boost with that uh, exclusively breastfeeding mom. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, if the mom has smoked, you know, we kind of don't recommend it, but you can still have the baby close, you know, and it's like what they did in New Zealand, you know, the, the, they were having a lot of problems with SIDS with the Maori population in oh. New Zealand, you oh. know, and it's because they all breastfeed, but they all smoke, you know, and so what they did is they started kind of weaving these sort of traditional sort of baskets, they're kind of like Moses basket, that the that mom could actually have the baby in the bed in the basket, Yeah. okay, but not actually bed sharing, straight bed sharing, and what they found is that dropped the SIDS rate in half. You know, so I, I think sometimes we can we can do some tweaks to the system. Organizations are forbidden from talking to mom about safe sleep. You know, and I think that that is really unfortunate because the only message they have is don't do it. Well, most mothers do it. I got news for you. Uh, the other thing to look at is, you know, take a look at your bedding risk. You know, um, if, if you've got like a memory foam mattress or something, uh, you know, if you can put your hand on it and it makes an indent, it's really not safe for a baby. You know, so a really kind of easy fix for that is you just slide a, a yoga mat under the sheet because you want a firm surface. You know, there's anything that you don't want anything that the baby can sink her face into and, and suffocate. You know, so, you know, that's a really easy, cheap fix. You I, know, but it's something to think about. And again, we want to think about like the bedding. We don't want anything around the baby's face. You know, we don't want pillows. We don't want blankets or comforters around the baby's face. Uh, you know, we want the baby sleeping on her back. You know, and a lot of times what happens with, you know, a nursing mom, they actually do that just all the time, naturally. And then they turn on their side. So they don't get that straight, just flat surface back time. A lot of times the mom has sort of scooped her arm around the baby. That keeps the baby from startling. You know, the problem with, you know, having a baby in a crib by themselves is a lot of times they startle and they wake themselves up. They do. You know, they absolutely do. But there doesn't seem to be as much of that with, with a mom that's sleeping next to her baby. Now, some other alternatives, if you don't necessarily want your baby in your bed, is, you know, they, they've been, a lot of hospitals have been giving out these baby boxes that you can actually have in your bed, you know, with the baby. It's kind of similar to that Moses basket, you know, and in some ways that's a lot easier because it's a very difficult physical move to pull yeah. a baby up out of the surface in the middle of the night. 
You know, and I think it's one reason why the default ends up kind of being baby in the bed. You know, um, a lot of moms have those co-sleepers, but, you know, for some families, those can be kind of pricey. Yeah. yeah, but it keeps the baby closer and, you know, but not in a, when they're in a completely separate space, a lot of times it's harder for the mom to respond to them. You know, and again, like I said, there's, I think there's some kind of danger too. It's like, if you're having to pull up a baby in the middle of the night, you know, I, you know, there is the potential for possibly dropping that baby, you know, so having a surface that's closer to the mom and easier to access a lot of times can actually, you know, keep the baby safe and, you know, even sometimes in a separate surface, but close enough to respond to. Totally, totally agree on that. And I want to emphasize what Dr. Kendall Tackett just said about people do sleep with their babies. I know this from clinical experience, but there's also some research that shows that. And I'm sorry, I cannot quote that chapter and verse at the moment, but I know that research is out there. I've read it. And so I think that it's not useful for us to just put our head in the sand and say, oh, oh, you know, just tell her not to do it because people are, if, if they're going to do it, they need to do it in a safe way. So you talked earlier. Well, the show, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and, you know, one of the things that we kind of found, which was, was really interesting is I, I knew mothers were not going to necessarily be forthright about this. Right. So the way we asked the question was, you know, where does your baby usually sleep? And about 30% said that the baby was in the bed. But when we asked the question, where does your baby end the night? It was upwards of like 60% all across the first year. Interesting. And so it's one thing is another thing that's really important is that whatever surface that baby is sleeping on has to, we have to look at it with the lens of safe sleep because that's the thing we really discover is babies oftentimes sleep in multiple places over a course of a night. Yes. Yes. And I think another thing that factors in, at least for me, is how many times I've heard the mother or the parents say, well, I know you'll disapprove, but and mm. so, oh yeah, well because they do get you know they do get disapproval. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes I'm kind of like I just need to know what's going on here. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Uh, you talked earlier in the show about some breastfeeding hacks. You mentioned, for instance, yes. uh, something that's a really simple thing, but it is compressing the breast uh, to help the milk flow, especially for a baby that's premature or a little weak or a little wimpy or whatever. Um, how about some yeah. other breast hacks that you think will help mothers to get more sleep? Well, again, I think probably one of the biggest one is where is that baby sleeping? You know, and if you have the baby someplace close where you can just sort of, you know, half a sleep state, just scoop them up and, and nurse them. I think yep. you're going to get, you're going to find you get a lot more sleep. If you actually have to get up and especially if you decide to get up and turn on a light and go sit someplace, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty miserable because that is probably the worst of both worlds. You're waking up a lot and you're like not in a place where you can go back to sleep. Right. You know, so I, I would say, you know, the, you know, the breast compressions and, you know, the, the breast massage, you know, again, to release that sort of fatty milk, especially with these little guys, you know, these late pretermers, you yep. know, a lot of times they, they fall asleep so quickly, you know, so it's like, let's get some, let's get some calories into them, maybe see if we can go a little bit longer, you know, and, uh, you know, again, like I said, you know, when the baby gets a little bit older, there's some, there's, there's some other sort of little tricks you can do in terms of kind of getting them to sleep a little bit longer. Because, you know, especially when you're talking about a baby who's, you know, 12 months, 18 months old and, you know, feels like they're like nursing like all night. You know, sometimes those poor moms are really exhausted. Yes. You know, and so sometimes you can actually get them if you if you wait until you, you know, watch the signs, wait until they go into deep sleep. A lot of times they can sit down for a little bit. Yes. You know, and so you get a little bit of a, you know, get, get a little bit of a break. 
that, that reminds me, for anybody who's listening, uh, I teach this to professionals, to parents, to anybody who will let me uh, pontificate about the importance of looking at stages of sleep. And the March of Dimes has yeah. an absolutely outstanding, uh, well, like it's kind of a, a pamphlet. It's several pages long, but it shows the baby in those states. Then it gives a text description. It's absolutely excellent because it's really important that you're able to read those signs uh, for, for for where your baby is kind of, where the baby's at. So are there, it, it, we talked about this at the beginning where people say, oh, well, it's breastfeeding that causes depression. Well, no, it doesn't. But are there other potential causes of depression that we should be thinking about investigating when we're dealing with a, a mother who's just really fatigued? Well, you know, it's like one of the things that I've written about is, you know, kind of what do you do with that mom who's so tired? Right. You know, and it's like that's when you kind of have to ask some deeper questions. Because I think sometimes, you know, you know, we know that breastfeeding generally those moms get more sleep. And but I think when you've got a mom who's kind of hanging on by a thread, it's yeah. kind of cruel to sit there and say, oh, just hang in there. Keep breastfeeding, you know. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, those poor moms, they're not going to hear that very well. So what we need to do is we need to kind of investigate a few other things. And, uh, you know, a couple of things I suggest investigating is, you know, let's do some let's do some really basic blood work, you know, because did the mom have a hemorrhage? You know, I've talked to so many moms who had hemorrhages in the hospital and they were just sent home like nothing happened, you know, and they were trashed for months after you know, um, so let's take a look and make sure, you know, she's not anemic. Let's let's make sure, you know, she doesn't have, um, you know, a, a, a mild infection because that's going to make her more tired again. What's that doing? That's ramping up her inflammatory response. Right. Um, let's test her for hypothyroidism because that can develop in the postpartum period. Yeah. You know, yeah. so any mom who's really tired, let's take a look at her thyroid levels. Let's take a look at her vitamin D levels. Oh, yeah, right. You know, so those would be some kind of basic sort of blood work. You know, I'd want to know some of the behavioral stuff, like what's going on, you know, like how exactly are you sleeping? You know, where's the baby? You know, how, you know, what do you do when you respond to the baby? Then let's look at some of these other questions, you know, like, you know, what's going on with the baby? Obviously, we talked about, especially like late pretermers, sometimes they're, they're, they're very difficult to settle. Um, but let's look at what's going on with the mom, because let's make sure that there's not some physical health thing that's making her very tired. You know, because that is going to actually be a risk factor for depression for her. You know, and the other thing is, I, I would consider this sort of a third tier sort of intervention. You know, if we can't figure out exactly what's going on with the mom, you know, like we've looked at all the other stuff, we've kind of crossed off the list. You know, maybe a sleep study might be helpful. You know, maybe she has some sleep apnea that she doesn't know about, or maybe she has restless leg syndrome or some of the other things. You know, the problem with sleep problems is they happen when you're asleep. So you don't necessarily know if you've got them. You know, I wouldn't do that first. I would probably do that after I'd ruled out some of the some of the easier things. Um, but that is another possibility. Two things jump to my mind before we go to the break. One is remember that a postpartum mother, a pregnant mother, can have anything that anybody else has. You mentioned, for instance, sleep apnea. Uh, and the other thing is, yeah. I often hear people say, oh, well, no, no, I went to my doctor at my six weeks checkup, and he said my thyroid was normal. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, that was a six weeks, and this is now at uh, 12 weeks or whatever it is, and just remember that those things can change, and so I encourage people to follow up, particularly if they've had some sort of an issue uh, prenatally. Hey, everybody, don't go away. We will be right back after this short break. (music) 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. I have with me today a psychologist and IBCLC, Dr. Kathleen Kendall-Tackett. She is also uh, certainly a highly respected researcher as well as author, editor, and more. Can you talk to us a little bit about the fact we've got these mothers who, for whatever reason, whatever the circumstance, they just plain are fatigued. How can you give us some tips, whether we are professionals or whether we are relatives or maybe we're just the next door person? What can we do to help these mothers feel supported when they just plain feel 
what I call over yeah. the edge. Uh, you know, what yeah. And, you do and I've certainly talked to a lot of moms like that. Yep. Uh, well, I think that, you know, let's, let's, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, let's make sure we rule out some of the physical stuff. But, you know, for many of our moms, you know, they're just tired because they come home and they're jumping right back into their life and they've had no chance to recover from the birth. You know, so that's when we should call in the friends and family, yep. you know, and I think as healthcare providers, we can give mothers permission to do that oh. because, uh, you know, especially in a lot of, you know, industrialist countries and, you know, especially as I said, North America, we have this idea that mothers should just hop right back into their life. You know, and I was listening to somebody and she's kind of high up, you know, in the women's health world. And she was talking about coming home after having a C-section. And the first thing she did was throw in a load of laundry. You know, that's that's insane. Right. You know, it's like, why why are we doing that? And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why so many of our mothers are really struggling. They're struggling with breastfeeding. They're struggling with depression. You know, it's because we're not very nice to them. You know, and I, I think that this is when we want to call in and have, you know, the relatives come in and, you know, bring in the food and maybe like, you know, if the mom can't get a lot of sleep at night, maybe she can have somebody watch the baby for a couple hours during the day, you know, and get a nap. You know, Mickey Jones, who's a doula in Tennessee, she actually has said that, you know, she tells moms to keep going back to bed until they feel like they've gotten enough sleep. Oh, I love you know? that. And I actually think that's. I think that's brilliant. I really do. I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to give her credit because I think yeah. that that is just such a true statement. Well, you know, so to just keep going back to bed until you feel like it. And so again, like I said, that that would be one thing. And just to care for that mom, you know, um, we actually have we do have actually have a couple of books on that that I think could help. One of them is called Seven uh, Seven uh, Sisters for Seven Days, well, and yeah. it's basically kind of like how instead of getting gifts that people can sign up, you know, sort of as a you know pre-baby thing to come in on one day of the week, you know, yeah. to do kind of whatever. And, you know, and she even has little templates of how mothers can ask for that. Uh, I also really like The Gentle Art of Newborn Family Care. That's really quite a wonderful book. Okay. Uh, and, you know, another one that to look at, we've got one that just came out. It's called The uh, Gentle Sleep Coaching by Lindsay Hookway. And that is actually also very, very good at some of these sleep issues. Now, she, granted, deals with a lot of times older babies, but she's got a very holistic approach to looking at what's going on with sleep and that family. Uh, and I think that also has a lot of great suggestions. Um, I wanted to back up. Uh, we interviewed the author of Seven Sisters for Seven Days, I want to say a year or so ago. So if oh. people want to look that up in the archives, yeah. uh, that I, I really that's, enjoyed That's great. Yeah, and remind me, you said uh, The Gentle Art of Something. What was that? Of Newborn Family Care by mm-hmm. Sally Weber. It's Got such it. a lovely book. You, okay. you you will literally feel like somebody put a warm blanket around your shoulders oh, when you read that book. I, and what was the third one? Uh, Gentle Sleep Coaching by Lindsay Hookway. And that's just come out. Got it. Got it. Um, gentle Sleep Coaching. I also want to tell people, one of the things that I always recommend is answer the door in your pajamas. When somebody, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds, <laughs> That's a good suggestion. <laughs> well, it sounds cheesy, but when no. you have pajamas on, people say, and they will, they will say, oh, did I get you out of bed? Oh, oh, you must be resting. Oh, I'm so sorry. And they either just ask <laughs> or they make it quick, but it's, that nonverbal like gets it through their head. Look at mom needs some sleep and some rest here. And chitty chatting with you is probably not what she wants to be doing right now. And the other thing was uh, we interviewed an author who did a book on the postpartum 
uh, workbook, and she has a whole list, uh, several lists of things that people can do. Because here's the thing. How many times have we heard people say, oh, I'd like to help. I would help. Just call me. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah I don't even know what I need right now. I, my brain is so not functioning. Or you feel kind of dumb to ask. But if you have stuff lined up ahead of time, either because you have pre-planned those seven days with those seven sisters or because you have these miscellaneous lists of, you know, as a matter of fact, Kathy, yeah, could you help me with this? This is what I need right here. Here's a list. Could you get this at the store? Could you make these pickups? Could you make these drop-offs? Whatever. And uh, so I think people are well-meaning, but they need a little bit more structure rather than just tell me what you need. I'm here for you kind of thing. Right, Uh, right. And, and and I will say we actually um, we took a single uh, a Kindle single out of Sally Weber's book and it's yeah. about you know caring for new families so it'll come up on Amazon and it's got a lot she's got a lot of really practical good you know I think it's like a, it's very cheap it's like you know a couple bucks I think oh, um, yeah. you know so that is actually that's a very good place to start because she's so knowledgeable she was doing postpartum doula stuff before it even had a name oh nice oh sweet. Yeah, she and she's, you know, I said the whole thing about it, you know, and when you read her book, this is the thing that really struck me the first time I read it is you realize how far off we are from what would be ideal. Yes. You know, and it's like if you can care for those moms in those first few weeks, it sets up everything better. I agree. I agree. And, you know, sometimes it's not that you've got to do anything genius or anything strenuous. It's just being supportive. And so often, um, we just don't realize how important that is. And I will guarantee you, those people will remember you forever, even if you didn't really know them. Maybe you just, part of their church group or part of their church group or whatever. But man, if you can just kind of pitch in, you know, that's just so hugely important. Uh, Before we go out today, could you tell us, please, where is your website? How do we find you and how do we get the energy to do all of the gajillion things that you do in a day? How do we find you? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't do them all at once. That That's very important to know. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can find you can find me at Kathleen Kendall Tackett. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-L hyphen T-A-C-K-E-T-T dot com. Um, or you can go to Preclaris Press and that is P-R-A-E-C-L-A-R-U-S Press. Dot com and that's where all of our books are uh, and so if you you can do that you can go to either of those sources uh, we actually do have some handouts and stuff too on our site that are free to download from others and so we've got a lot of handouts on depression um, so you know looking at things like complementary and alternative treatments for depression and you know using exercise and all these you know because a lot of times you know moms aren't necessarily all that keen on being on antidepressants you know antidepressants are certainly one treatment and it's an important part of this sort of treatment arsenal but they aren't the only one, you know, and so that's one of the things we really kind of want to get the, the get the news out about. Absolutely. And uh, not to steal your thunder, but I think it's important for people to realize that exercise can work every bit as well as a pill, at least in some cases. And, and actually, I was going to say that. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've got actually some really nice research on that now. Oh, just incredible. And I also know from clinical experience, not just research, but that is really, really yeah. true. Hey, we we gotta go. We could talk to Dr. Kathleen Kendall Tackett all day long, but we gotta go. We gotta go. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Kendall Tackett, thank you so much for being with us. And well, thank you for having me. It's really been fun. 
Oh, good. I'm so glad. Uh, before we go, I just want to tell everybody, uh, you should definitely visit Kathy, but you should visit me, too. <laughs> I'm uh, Absolutely. MarieBianCuzo.com. That is M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share the love. Give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to tell your friends. And remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 